I'm Jerome Hudson, Breitbart News Entertainment Editor, author of the book 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump, sitting in for Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Not a joke. Joe Biden continues to rub salt on the wound of struggling Americans with the spit-in-your-face fallacy that the skyrocketing cost of just about everything you buy is Putin's fault. Breitbart's John Carney, well, he provides a chart that exposes Biden's biggest lies on the economy and inflation. China is locking down tens of millions of its citizens yet again as the communist country struggles to contain yet another coronavirus outbreak. Its stock market is in a free fall, and with Chinese lockdowns usually come a production dip that will make economic matters worse for countries like our own who are dependent on China-made goods. There is, dare I say, some good news. Voters deserting the Democratic Party is kicking into high gear. Hispanic and black voters are running into the arms of the Republican Party. The question remains, of course, what will the GOP do? I do want to start here, though. Not a joke. Not a joke. That's a quote from Joe Biden, uh, who spoke seemingly forever uh, yesterday uh, in Washington, D.C. speech, the National League of Cities and Congressional City Conference. Uh, Boy, that sounds boring. Uh, Charlie Spearing here. Joe Biden blames Vladimir Putin for inflation that spiked in 2021. Do yourself a favor. Check out Charlie's piece uh, on the homepage of Breitbart News, Deep. Well, not even deep, but inside the piece, Charlie uh, links to a tweet uh, from a few days ago by Andy Putzer, who is Andy Putzer, where he's a former senior fellow of Pepperdine. Uh, he's, he's a Heritage uh, Foundation visiting fellow. Andy knows economics. And Andy's tweet shows you a chart. The chart looks at uh, wage changes from 2017 to last month and it also charts inflation and if 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 you have eyes that work uh and at least half a brain you can see that inflation spiked the second month of joe biden's tenure in office february 2021 but this guy is continuing this wild democrat project of just calling voters stupid their eyes are lying to them the prices that have been increasing, have been increasing in this country for well over a year now. It is everything you put into your grocery cart. It is the way that you heat and cool your homes. And I say cool because I actually had to turn on the air conditioning a couple times this month. But it was 30 degrees uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, in, in northeast uh, Florida a, a couple days ago. It's it's all about gas prices with this White House, and they're lying about that. The price of gas jumped sixty cents, a dollar and fifty cents from a year ago. Uh, but there was Joe Biden uh, in his speech in front of the leaders of the Democratic Party in Washington D.C. inside the swamp, not being able to divorce himself 
from this ridiculous gaslighting campaign that, look, the bottom line is life is being made harder because of the overspending, because of the supply chain crunch that is largely due to the pandemic, because of the shutdowns in China, because we are so wedded, so dependent on that communist country for way too many commodities here. It was a confluence, a perfect storm, if you will, um, that uh, too much money chasing after too few commodities and in, an, an amazing increase in demand as 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 more states, i.e. blue states, began to open up and they just continued to spin. Uh, the Democrats did. Joe Biden also celebrated the one year anniversary of the American Rescue Plan, another two trillion dollars in spending, um, and and but 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 none of that actually comes out of the mouth of Joe Biden. That would be context. That would be as the leftists call nuance. Uh, but Joe Biden doesn't actually give that. All he does is lie, and it's it's a lie that again things are bad enough. The the Democratic plan heading into November, which is not going to be a wave. It's going to be a red tsunami, which I'll get to later. Their plan is to just lie to people who are in pain about their pain that the Democrats caused or certainly played an overwhelmingly large hand role in. It's amazing. It's not working. And you'd think they'd realize that shift courses a little bit, uh, but they won't. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it just happens to be true. Um, I want to, uh, uh, read to you something that I found. Uh, so as bad as things are, uh, and we, and, and I do mean bad. The truth is this from Nick Gilberson of Breitbart news data from the Bureau of land management, BLM, not that one, the other one shows that approved permits to drill oil and gas on public lands have seen a substantial drop under president Joe Biden's administration after peaking in April 2021, according to a report. So uh, uh, April 2021, former President Donald Trump was just out of office only three months. So oil and gas permits in the United States of America were peaking, and they actually did peak just a few months after Trump left office. But in the intervening months, we're talking 10 months now, the number of of approved permits to drill oil and gas has plummeted. Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, all of them, Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, buffoon extraordinaire, they have not said this. You've heard the talking points. Oh, the leases are 9,000 of them. Why don't they just drill? They've told you that. You know it's been a lie, but a lot of people out there don't. A lot of people get the ridiculous left-wing talking points and they just run with it. And then they fall into the trap of blaming the oil and gas companies for not doing more. While at the same time, Democrats are disincentivized and even outright outright attacking the oil and gas industry in the United States while begging dictators to pump more oil. But we have the data now. This is from a government report. Last April, approved permits, continuing from Nick Gilbertson, topped out at 643, but gradually declined since with two minor increases in September and November of last year, Environment and Energy Publishing EAE News reported, citing government data. In January, 
the month that saw the second lowest permit approvals during the Biden presidency, only 95% were granted, marking an 85% drop off since April 2021, according to the EAE uh, News. February produced a minor increase in permit approvals, registering 186, which was still the fourth lowest in a single month during Biden's term in, in to date. So that is industry leaders seeing that a man who had promised four years to eradicate fossil fuels use in the United States had just, air quotes, won the presidency and was now in office, had put forth names of people like Jennifer Granholm, the buffoon out there pushing electronic buses, or we have chip shortages here in the United States. We can't even get electric vehicles made to keep up with demand. Two positions in the energy sector. Uh, the and, and so business had been responding to the radical anti-fossil fuel nutcases that Joe Biden had sprinkled all over his 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 administration. You have seen Jennifer Granholm, the first high ranking Biden administration official uh, last week coming out and pleading with apparently meeting with or setting up meetings with oil and gas industry heads to to shift to ask them to produce more oil and energy here in the United States. Um, this from Forbes a few days ago, uh, Granholm making uh, a, a commitment on behalf of the administration to stop stalling uh, and denying pipeline permits. Yes, the Biden administration is actually denying the pipeline permits so that these these sec the sector can uh, restart energy costs. But Joe Biden, he suspended federal uh, uh, leasing program. For, the, for for these permits. It's so schizophrenic. Forbes rep reports that everything that the Biden administration seems to be trying to do, pivoting to incentivizing or at least asking American energy uh, producers to produce more, quote, defies logic. If the government says we are in a quote unquote emergency and need to quote increase short term supply, then why wouldn't the government do what it can to stimulate the industry whose job it is to supply oil and gas? Question mark. Because these people are insanely dangerous. They're buffoons. They don't actually care about the pain that people are feeling at the pump or at the grocery store and everywhere in between. That's why. Continuing from Forbes, congressional Democrats aren't helping anything. At the same time that Granholm was speaking to industry, oil and gas industry leaders this week, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat from Rhode Island, and Representative Ro Khanna, a Democrat from uh, Congressman from California, introduced a bill they say is designed to quote unquote punish quote unquote big oil for quote raking in profits while working families are struggling to afford gas at the pump. What we are seeing right now is a prime example of corporate greed and companies profiting off of international crisis, end quote. Representative Khanna said, according to the New Republic, a lefty rag. So the bill that these two buffoons have introduced would levy a 50% tax on profits 
oil companies earn above the price of $66 per barrel of oil, which is, I believe, at like $98 a barrel right now. Which the authors of the bill say was the average oil price during 2015 through 2019. Why those years were chosen is anyone's guess. This, I continue from Forbes, why not just throw a dart blindfold uh, at any oil and gas listing of an average oil price since 2002 and use that as the index. <laughs> White House and Kana then proposed to send half of the tax collected back to consumers in a form of a rebate, which White House told reporters would amount to $240 payout to a single tax filer, that would be me, and a $360 uh, payout for joint filers next year. That's if White House claims the price for oil remains at $120 per barrel, which it is not currently. So on the one hand, we have a Democratic presidential administration urging oil and gas producers to risk millions more capital dollars to produce more oil. And on the other hand, Democrats in Congress right now today are pushing a massive new tax that would destroy the incentive to make those new investments and assume all that risk. Yeah, I, I, the word schizophrenic, you know, I'm sorry if it triggers you, if you have someone who in your life who suffers from schizophrenia, but this is insanity. Is that a better word? It's completely divorced and incongruent with reality, certainly a type of reality, a type of political leadership that you would want to see out of elected officials that would actually do some good to alleviate or begin to alleviate the pain that people are feeling. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so hard to just pin down if they're stupid or just corrupt or incompetent or don't care. I like to believe that it is all of it. There's so many competing factions within the Democratic Party, not to mention the White House. Some people just want the complete eradication of, 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 of the entire fossil fuel industry in this country. But then there are other people sitting in the room, uh, probably arguing amongst one another in front of the president, who realize that that's insanely crazy and they're not still in the middle of a primary election and can't exactly go out and say stuff like that. So we get this sort of hodgepodge of policy where you got Jennifer Granholm out there begging oil and gas leaders to produce more oil and gas while they have this full-fledged uh, approach of going out and throwing taxpayer dollars at the Green New Deal projects of investing in electric vehicles and tax rebates and subsidies for that industry, which is in its nascent stage. And then you have another huge piece in which you have top Biden White House officials literally begging murderous dictators to produce more oil. That be the OPEC countries, Venezuela, Iran, even while we ban Russian oil that was already tapering off in terms of our uh, uh, imports of that oil for months. Here's the reality, how it's actually affecting people on the ground, media. Uh, an Uber driver in New York City who is actually thinking about calling it quits over skyrocketing gas prices. Cut 13. Oh my God, it's killing us. Carl's driven for Uber for the last seven years. 
I'm thinking of giving up. With the average price for a gallon of regular gas in this city now more expensive, $4.46, than at any other time in history, Carl estimates he and other rideshare and taxi drivers now take home 10 to 20% less in profit every single day. A lot less you know, compared to before. You have to work. You know, I have to pay bills it's so bad, you know. I just filled up uh, my gas this morning, and it's like $80. Godfred and Serge here have driven New York City yellow cabs for a combined 54 years and could not recall any other period even reminiscent of the last two weeks of gas prices starting to more closely resemble credit scores. It's so bad that I can't just, I can't even describe how, how, how I've never seen something like this. While we're driving, I'm looking for a cheaper gas station. Allison here reminds us taxi and Uber drivers like her must also burn gas just looking for fares, something she's now trying to do less of. Instead, parking somewhere busy and letting the passengers come to her. Ridiculous. Now, thieves, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not even going to say I called it. It was just, it's, it's pretty commonsensical. Once you have an increased strain on the economy, you know, the thieves and, and crime syndicates that were probably already there are given more incentive uh, because they... they <laughs> They kind of operate with the, by the rules of economics. They don't want their margins to shrink. So they go to drastic measures. Now they are actually drilling holes at gas stations into the tanks and underground fuel tanks. Cut 14. Police around the country have a new warning about gas thieves. Transportation correspondent Gio Benitez joins us now with more on all of that. Good morning, Gio. Hey, Robin, good morning. The national average is holding steady at 432 a gallon, but experts say that may not last. And now police all across this country, they want you to be very mindful about where you park because of these gas thieves. This morning, as the cost of gas spikes across the nation, there's no way that all these people are affording this. A new warning about thieves at the pump. Take a look at this video. While it may look like nothing is happening here, the manager at a gas station in Houston says thieves are taking thousands of dollars worth of gas, 360 gallons per day for three days from the underground tank. The van drives on top of the fuel tank and then um, that's all you see. No one comes out. So they have a trap door inside their vehicle which is crazy. In fact, he says, they tried to come back for a fourth day, but the manager chased them away. Cases of gas theft are popping up all over the country, from California to Virginia. In Washington state, the Everett Police Department is issuing a new warning about people siphoning gas, writing on Facebook, while some thieves use rubber hoses to siphon fuel out, we are seeing modern-day thieves use power tools to drill a hole in the gas tank and steal fuel. Victims are often left with huge bills. I think the frequency of, of people drilling in gas tanks has increased. Part of it has to do with the increase of, uh, of gasoline uh, here in the near term, but also over the past 12 months. So you have, you have gas stations now, they, they, they're, they're out of it. I used to work just a freakishly insane amount of gas stations. That's thousands of dollars that that owner has to write down or take a loss, a hit on. I, I, I'm wondering which squad member will come out first calling for increased presence of police at gas stations to actually thwart the, 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 the gasoline-stealing crime syndicates that's popping up, as you heard, from coast to coast across the country. 
It's going to happen. It's going to happen. One of these people who want to defund the police is going to actually call for more police officers at gas stations. They have to. AOC, probably, because, you know, her district uh, in, I think it's Brooklyn in New York City, probably got some of the highest gas in the country. Uh, Uber drivers. Like, like the, the, the thing that they do for a living uh, basically taxiing people around, it's becoming undoable because of Joe Biden. He's out there. You know, it's, it's, it's Putin's fault. Putin is why you can't fill up your gas tank. Um, and Uber is going to be costing you more when you when you order. 50 cents for the, for the drive and something like 40-something cents for every food delivery. Now, the White House is recruiting TikTok influencers. Maybe you have seen this. I didn't actually believe it to be true at first glance, but the videos are there. They're real. The White House is using Chinese technology and idiots, and I do mean idiots, on camera with stupid bebop music in the background to peddling White House talking points about how this is all Putin's fault. Not Joe Biden, the guy who says the buck stops here. I'm not actually going to play it. Uh, because I don't want to dumb down uh, the, the 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 segment uh, here, but but it but it's it is amazing, Chinese backed technology to disseminate propaganda <laughs> that I'm pretty sure like Putin's good with this propaganda too. Like all all he wants is to divide the West, and if you have a president like Joe Biden who somebody in the White House signed off on having TikTok influencers create videos by which they parrot and propagate the propaganda from the White House. I mean, that's them. That's them looking over, looking down at us, seeing how awful it is for everyone from a single family to to a, a, a family of four or a family of eight, I played you earlier this week or last week, can't remember, a, a, a woman in California who was brought to tears when asked about how she fills up her gas tank. She's got six kids in the van. They don't give a damn about it. And you know they don't care because they're influencing 20-something-year-olds with followings. God knows why they have the influence that they have to be able to be called influencers to peddle their lives. I mean, if you're, your kids are on TikTok, you're on TikTok. I mean, people tell me it's it's fun, it's exhilarating. Um, I don't know, but it's it's insult to injury, uh, most most definitely. Um, <sighs> boy, I see the phone lines lighting up. I'll get in a couple more here. U.S. warns um, is 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 warning now that. Uh, China's COVID uh, situation is absolutely uh, off the charts now. I alluded to it earlier. In three provinces, there have been more than 50 million people put on lockdown. Uh, and so if you go to the front page of Breitbart.com and scroll down just a little bit, it kind of looks like a third wave uh, is about to hit the Middle Kingdom. China's new COVID lockdown could determine the fed interest rate hike yes the federal reserve meeting is b being held today look out uh, for john carney on social media and certainly his byline for all the latest details on that apparently wall street fears more supply chain disruptions 
and inflation, because again, we are so dependent on the manufacturing sectors. Apparently, the cities being locked down in China are huge manufacturing hubs. To John Carney warning, the most obvious, this is what comes of outsourcing manufacturing to China. John Hayward, deputy world editor at Breitbart News, China's southern economic hub of Shenzhen began a coronavirus lockdown on Monday. It was 24 hours ago. I do believe it's two days ahead in China right now because that's how time works. Jeopardizing major foreign business operations and, tap and trapping some 24 million residents inside surrounding provinces. The industrial hub city of Chengchun also locked down on Friday, so a few days ago, trapping 9 million citizens inside their home and halting most corporate activity. Bloomberg News noted that the Xinjiang lockdown was announced with little notice, quote unquote, on Sunday, and is scheduled to last until at least March 20th. The impact of major business operations in China's Silicon Valley, it has dubbed, will be devastating. So the Chinese tech market particularly, but its, it's, uh, it's, its markets overall are plummeting. I'll get Gordon Chang's thoughts on that uh, later in the program. I mean, it just kind of looks like a meltdown is happening. Um, Hayward adds this absolutely terrifying fact because that's, that just seems to be his job. Uh, I'm kidding. A four-week lockdown of one port in Xinjiang uh, the same city that has 24 million people locked down. John Hayward says a four-week lockdown in that city last summer created a shipping backlog that did not clear up for months, arguably a more severe distortion of global shipping than the headline-grabbing blockage of the Suez Canal in March 2021. Where's that Buy America thing at? I know, I know I've, I've, I heard it a week or two ago, uh, some rumblings of Buy America. It's a joke to these people. Of course, Joe Biden's family is making tens of millions of dollars with the Communist Party of China. <sighs> China orders 50 month, 51 million into lockdown as COVID surges. Chinese officials on Monday reported 1,437 cases across dozens of cities. You, you, you cannot, you can't even take those numbers with, with a grain of salt. You, they're just complete lies. I mean, maybe they're true, but it's just astronomically insane. 866-957-2874 is the number to call. Just amazing stuff happening in this country in terms of poll numbers. I mean, if if I only had time to report one, uh, because I, I must take a break here soon, I, I, I'm just trying to figure out in the middle of March how devastatingly large the whole will be left in the democratic party after the november midterm elections i think it's going to be at least a quarter century worth of devastation and the democrats deserve every single bit of it gop making gains among non-white voters there, there are a lot of polls and there are only a handful of trustworthy polling agencies Wall Street Journal put out a poll a few days ago, and it is the one making the rounds everywhere. Even left-wing corporate media outlets are, are, are reporting it because the numbers, the crosstabs, the data analytics, the, the pool of voters, 
uh, that they ask. It's it's kind of undeniable and, and really can't be. And the numbers just it's hard to ignore them. So black voters in November, November, right? Remember cutting open that turkey? Uh, supported uh, uh, the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, by 12%. Today, that number is 27%. Hispanic uh, voters uh, supported uh, the, 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 the Joe Biden and his party in November, 37%. That number has jumped now to 46%. 25% support among black voters for uh, the Republican Party has always been the magic number. You get 25, you get one in four black voters to vote for the Republican candidate, whether it be a statewide election, a congressional election, or, or most certainly a presidential election. 25%. The Republican Party hits that number among black voters. Democrats never win a presidential election again. I'd find it hard for them to win statewide or in a congressional district. Again, it's one poll. It's not it's not everything, but it certainly is something. It certainly is something. The Hispanic shift has been happening. It's certainly happening along some of the most Hispanic rich districts, particularly in states like Texas. We saw the shift. It's not even it's it's, it's, it's not even fair to call it a shift. I mean, these people are running away from Democrats. <laughs> joined on the program by Monica Crowley, former assistant secretary of the U.S. Treasury under President Trump. Monica puts Biden's leadership failures both abroad and here at home into perspective. Monica says Biden's policies are pushing America down and we're just about at rock bottom. Through all the economic pain, there is, however, opportunity for freedom and prosperity on the other side. Monica breaks it down. Monica, welcome back to the program. This is becoming a regular thing. And it's a great thing. Thank you so much for having me back, Jerome. Always great to be with you. Absolutely. Uh, So I read for the audience in the first hour some data from the Bureau of Land Management, which essentially points out that approved permits to drill oil and gas on public lands uh, have seen a substantial drop under Joe Biden after peaking Uh, just a few months after he took office. Uh, If the situation wasn't bad enough for people uh, to heat their homes, to put fuel into their cars, or for the truckers, many of which who listen to these airwaves, uh, to put diesel into their gas tanks, you have Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat from Rhode Island, and Congressman Ro Khanna, a Democrat from California, are introducing a bill designed to quote-unquote punish Monica the big oil uh, companies raking in record profits. And to add insult to injury, Joe Biden is still blaming uh, the Putin price hike, uh, the gas pump prices on Putin when, if you look at the chart, inflation spiked in February of 2021. Yeah. 
Uh, everything you hear from the Biden administration is a lie. Most things that you hear from Democrats out of Congress is a lie. And we're in upside down world, especially when it comes to how they explain high gas prices, high home heating oil prices, high diesel prices and so on. This is all of their doing. When the Trump administration was in place, we had very, very low gas prices, cheap gas across the board, cheap energy prices across the board, because he unleashed our great energy sector and he allowed our great oil companies, gas companies to go and exploit America's tremendous natural resources. We are sitting atop more energy resources than any country on the face of the earth, more than Russia, more than Hmm. Saudi Arabia, more than any other country. And Trump allowed our companies to go uh, build the pipeline, get the oil and gas out of the ground, get it to market. And because it's a global market and the United States for the first time was energy independent and was actually a net energy exporter, Uh, rather than importer. So the global price came down, and certainly the price for American consumers was very low. President Biden comes in, reverses all of that, wages war on our energy sector, halts the the Keystone XL pipeline on on day one, uh, prohibits this kind of drilling by banning all kinds of leases on federal land to actually go do that, negative on nuclear, negative on fracking. So, of course, the effect is higher prices. And they're out there trying to blame oil companies for for price gouging, and they're blaming Putin and so on. No, this is all of their doing. Putin's invasion of Ukraine certainly exacerbated the problem here. But the reason for that is because Biden had us back importing Russian oil to the tune of, what, 600,000 barrels a day, maybe a bit more. So (laughs) they are... They are constantly gaslighting us and projecting uh, wrong attributions to what is going on because they don't want to put the mirror back on themselves. This is all they're doing, all from really, really bad policy. And, you know, that says nothing of the fact that there are major cities, stories I haven't even been able to get to, like Amazon, essentially, uh, uh, Amazon essentially evacuating hundreds, almost two thousands of its employers away from the downtown Seattle office because crime in that city has reached a point where it's not safe for Amazon workers to go to and fro to the office. You have homeless people being shot on the street in New York and D.C., cadets overdosing on fentanyl here in in south florida the problems are so bad and it's all happening under this regime um i i i wonder because we're starting to see polling data uh monica um that to me sort of goes a little bit beyond anything that i would even consider the realm of normal Uh, 25% has always been the magic number in terms of if the Republican Party gets 25%, uh, one in four black voters to support the party, it's over for Democrats winning a presidential election, certainly, and probably statewide elections. Black voter support, according to the Wall Street Journal, went from 12% in November to 27% today. Hispanic voters support for Republicans went from 37% in November to 46% today. Um, I wonder how you think Republicans should cash in 
on what seems to me like the opportunity of a lifetime. It is unfortunate that the situation has to be so perilous. The pain has to be so bad brought on by the policies of the Biden administration. But the reality is what the reality is. And the the misery comes when you elect Democrats. But there does seem to be this, I'll say what the leftists call a teachable moment here, uh, and an opportunity, at least politically, uh, for the party to capitalize on this and then do something, damn it, when they do get in office. Yes, and it's a great point. And, you know, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom um, and and God allows uh, you to hit rock bottom so that your eyes open and you realize what's actually going on. Um, look, I think a lot of voters and you, you raised Hispanic voters, which I think is the biggest underreported story yeah. in America, that Hispanic voters in a massive shift are moving to the Republican Party. Wouldn't it be quite ironic, Jerome, if the Democrats have this <laughs> wide open southern border bringing in all these Latino voters thinking they were going to vote Democrat and they all end up voting Republican? Yeah. Uh, if yeah. only. If it's only. This, this inflation uh, is is Venezuela level stuff like they didn't flee the 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 triangle states to to just to run into Biden inflation like right. we don't want them exactly. coming here illegally but yeah the the irony is see deep it's thick it's thick yeah. uh be careful what you wish for democrats so look hispanic voters are culturally and economically very conservative they're hardworking. they hate what they see is happening to this party under democratic control and black voters for the most part they they hate that as well um, particularly economically, but they also hate what is happening to the cities. The cities are in collapse. Crime is out of control. And and the black communities are the ones bearing the brunt of the spiking crime and the whole defund the police movement. It's the black community suffering the consequences. So they are now taking a look at the Republican Party and saying, well, wait a minute, Democrats have gone completely off the rails. What does the Republican Party have to offer? So to your point, the GOP has to double down the efforts begun by President Trump and with his campaigns and his administration, with the outreach to black communities. And then we have to make sure, Jerome, that it's one thing to have 27 percent of the black vote, uh, but it's another thing getting the black vote to the polls during election month or right. election day, whatever your situation is. So the Republican Party, starting from the RNC on down, because we don't control the White House or the Congress, but we've got to make sure that there are get out the vote, uh, particularly with these communities, is in hyperspeed yeah. to make sure that those who are looking at the Republican Party and are inclined to vote that way actually get to the polls and cast their vote. Monica Crowley, former Assistant Secretary of the U.S. Treasury under President Trump. You can follow her at Monica Crowley. She spent decades following uh, and, and, and consulting on, advising, I think I can say, on politics. Brilliant woman. How does that look, Monica? I absolutely agree with you, but, you know, I have family members. I have friends. Um, I'm talking about the black ones. Like, I think I think RNC officials, I think the candidates themselves, I think the representatives for these local parties, 
these local Republican committees. I think that they have to hold conventions. I think they have to hold meetings. I think they have to hold town halls in the majority black uh, cities like Detroit. Detroit's former commissioner, police commissioner, by the way, James Craig, running for governor in Michigan. I think you have to take the fight to the Democrats, go to the Baltimores, go to the, the Atlantas, go to Orlando, go to the deeply blue Austins and Texas and Los Angeles, uh, in San Francisco, go to Minneapolis and take the fight to them directly, spend the money, put the people on the ground, set up the shops, put billboards up on the busy highway and streets. And, and, and just cause I, I, I don't need to tell you this, but I think the point has to be made and can't be made enough why the pain and misery exists and who is responsible for it. And on the other side, who the people are, who will enact the policies like president Trump did wrote a book about it that will actually bring back prosperity and freedom in a better way. Yes. Yes, it's all about communication. It's all about outreach. President Trump began this uh, when he entered office. He had entire offices dedicated to minority outreach and and really uh, began a process of turning around um, some thinking in the black community. I mean, he actually he got more of the black vote than any other Republican candidate since I think Richard Nixon, particularly yeah. in 2020. Yeah. Um, and that was because he began to deliver for them. Do you know during the Trump years, Jerome, that black unemployment was at or near historic lows and the poverty rate for yep. African-Americans was at a historic low? So the black community was doing uh, much better under President Trump because it was it was common sense pro-growth economic policies, tax cuts, regulatory relief, unleashing our energy sector, fairer trade deals that benefited every demographic group, but in particularly in particular, the black community. And so, you know, the, the, this wasn't like Trump was president 40 years ago, like Ronald Reagan. He was literally just president. And yeah. now. The, the contrast with Joe Biden, who has put everything into reverse and set the black community back on its heel, particularly with the job market and income levels and the poverty rate, it's all like back to normal. Why? Because the Democrats need a permanent voting majority. Yep. They need that Democratic constituency. Therefore, they keep the Democrats, excuse me, they keep the black community down. They keep them in this perpetual underclass state yep. because then they think, well, then they're locked into voting for us. Well, Trump showed the black community and frankly, the Latino community a different way. And this has got the Democrats absolutely hmm. petrified. That's why they're in panic mode, Jerome. But the Republicans need to capitalize on this. Don't count on the establishment Republicans to do this because they're just as invested as Democrats in that permanent underclass. Keep your eye on the populists led by Trump, but also by fantastic governors like Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. They get it. They're talking to the black community and the Latino community. We need more of that. Amen. Uh, Monica Crowley joining the program right now. You can follow her at uh, Monica Crowley. Um, I, I opened the program or, or just about with the lockdowns that we're seeing in some major cities in China. Uh, it's got the Chinese stock market in a free fall. 
uh, and these cities, particularly Shenzhen, huge manufacturing hubs. Therefore, there will be a slowdown in manufacturing. That means fewer goods that will again <laughs> spike the, the price of commodities. Um, the, the, to me, so much of the conversations that we have about politics should beginning and end with China, its role uh, in the pandemic, how the Biden family, thanks to the amazing work of Peter Schweitzer, uncovering how that family is in business with Chinese uh, connected companies to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, plays a huge role on our inability to hold China responsible. The fact, Monica, that they could be uh, facing a new massive outbreak, and that that country, it's it, it's it's communist government, despite what they say about communism being able to control pandemics, has not been able to control uh, the spread of the virus. Uh, it, it's it's kind of terrifying, given the fact that you know our economy would be in a better position if if the Democratic Party released the shackles of overspending and, and energy independence, but. Is 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 as bad as things are now. To think that it could get worse because of what's happening in China is alarming. Yes, once again, China <laughs> inflicting all kinds of damage on the world, and once again, the Biden administration refusing to hold China accountable for any of it. Yeah. Uh, look, this virus, and they're saying it's kind of like a stealth variant of Omicron. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but you can't believe anything that comes out of China, right? With the first wave, which was the most lethal wave of the virus, China said, oh, uh, yeah, we had three deaths. <laughs> right? It's insane. They made up it's some insane. like absurd thing. It was, it was completely insane. <laughs> um, look, viruses are going to virus. They are biological. Yeah. They, and this one spread by the air and so on. So not even the all-powerful CCP hmm. can control the spread of an aerosolized uh, virus like this. Um, look, I think in the United States, we have a very good handle on the virus, how it behaves, and we know how to respond to it. Does that mean that the Democrats will be responsible going forward on it? Of course not, because yeah. it's a huge lever for power and control for them. Um, but I also think that the American people are in a much different place about this virus now. And lockdowns, mandates, whether vaccine or mask or you name it, we're way past any of that. And I don't think the American people are going to put up with renewed uh, restrictions after having them lifted and having gone through this now for two years. Um, but you are right to put, uh, point out the economic fallout from these new lockdowns in China which is, look, the CCP wants total control, and they do have con mm -hmm. total control over their population. So, of course, they're locking down. We're not going to do that again here. But it is going to disrupt and continue to disrupt the uh, supply chain, which makes a further argument for Republicans like Donald Trump, who were making the argument for a long time that we've yeah. got to bring manufacturing back to the United States on every front, but in particular pharmaceuticals and, and other things that we are so reliant on China for. Unfortunately, the Biden administration is making no moves to do that. And that gives a yet another opening for Republican presidential candidates and congressional candidates going into this year to be making that argument every single day. Monica, do you do you see any sort of silver lining with uh, in, in if it's diplomacy, if it's how the, the, the movement away from globalism with the horrible uh, situation with Russia 
uh, almost three weeks into its invasion of Ukraine. Um, I, I mean, it's what's happening to these people is that I, 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 it's hard for me to even watch the news reports now. Um, just lives being uh, just destroyed. Um, but I was talking to Gordon Chang earlier, and what this says about globalism, uh, the fact that you've, you've, you've had the, the NATO countries, certainly this not happening under Trump, but, but even Biden a year into office, having his hands on the best intelligence in the world, and this, this still happened, uh, which proves the point that dictators are going to dictator. Um, is, is, is there, is there anything positive that you can see maybe coming out of all this? Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough question. To I, you know. It's hard to say because things are so catastrophic now, Jerome. Um, again, I think sometimes God works in not so mysterious ways. And I yeah. think we got to hit rock bottom in order to to climb out of this hole and it, it Biden administration is leaving us in a huge hole um you know i gave a, a talk last night here in florida um and i was making the point that it, sometimes you've got to really you, you got to see the abyss before you can climb out of it and i think right. one of the silver linings here is that a lot of people are awake not woke but <laughs> awake and they're paying attention now. For example, parents, the pandemic, as awful as it was, saw what their kids were actually learning in school and went into revolt. I think parents are going to destroy the Democratic Party come November yeah. and into the future because they cannot believe the indoctrination that their kids are, are getting in public schools and, and private schools, frankly, as well. Um, I think a lot of people are suffering economically to an enormous extent, and they're seeing that this is all a direct result of the Democratic Party. I think they're seeing America standing in the world, to your point about dictators running wild. Uh, that's a direct result of American weakness under a very weak, perhaps the weakest commander in chief we have ever had. Uh, and they don't like it. You know, Americans tend to gripe about our issues, Jerome, but they still like being number one. Yeah. And right now we are no longer number one. Uh, and soon China is going to have the biggest economy in the world. Not us. China. Now, yeah. China's got big issues coming out of this pandemic. They still got the pandemic. They've got all kinds of economic issues as well. So there may be an opportunity for us to really come back, but we're going to need strong leadership, strong messaging from our side. And, uh, and the American people, I think, are with us. We just have to make sure that we talk to them in the right way. Monica, always a pleasure uh, to have you on. Well, it's a great pleasure to be with you, Jerome. Thank you, as always. Absolutely. Monica Crowley. Today is Michael in Michigan. Michael is an oceanographer who described how nature, that is the ocean and the animals that live in it, have a far larger effect on climate change than humans do. Michael also thinks the Green New Deal Democrats and their corrupt, suicidal green policies are beyond insane. 
I kind of been all over the world. Uh, my family was born in Michigan, which is why I'm here right now. Straight off, to tell you the truth on the situation, it, it is an effect that other people are talking about. Joe Bastardi actually cited it in one of his books. When our oceans get a little bit hmm. colder, it affects the weather inland. Okay, so that's part one thing that's a, that the oceans can do that. Let's cite Tonga also. When a, when a volcano erupts, it's going to affect chemically the atmosphere and also the uh, nearby environment. Take, for instance, the uh, animal life and the plant life. You got on people about the methane situation. Our oceans have animals living in them. Naturally, the oceans, as the animals are going to die, will emit methane. Right. Obviously, closer to the bottom of the ocean, so there will be an effect. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm I'm noticing that you're you're citing natural causes that have an effect on the overall climate. Uh, and, oh, and, and so the you argue- want so you so you want human causes? No, no, no. Human but that that that, that, are- that seems to be <laughs> that seems to be the squeakiest wheel when it comes to the conversation around the changing climate. It is what humans are doing. It's what humans are not doing. It's not often that you hear someone cite natural causes uh, have have an effect. That that that's all I'm noticing. Uh, it's okay. It's, look, look. Yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from, but look at the oceans that cover our Earth, our world. Yeah. There's going to be a huge effect chemically, <laughs> as well as biologically on our environment from the oceans. Yeah. What What Nobody about this? Nobody's citing this, and it's really pissing me off. No, I, I I totally agree. I've I've cited natural causes in my research, and I I often try to. But that's the that's the point, Michael. And I know I don't have to tell you this. There is no money in citing natural causes and its effect on climate. The money, the corruption, the piles of 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 grant dollars that go to these researchers to to advance the human made uh, causes. That's where the game is rigged. And again, I know I don't have to tell you that. Can you say anything about how the sun has an effect on the atmosphere, on the climate over overall? Overall, when the sun basically heats up the atmosphere, the oceans get warmer and it affects certain parts of the uh, ecological system. Yeah. Uh, it affects animals. Animals move closer to the equator, obviously. Certain animals have better hunting environments and and basically it's like a flux back and forth you see what i'm saying yeah i do and, it, as, it, 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 and so does, does it seem sane to you this this seemingly uh, suicidal uh, trajectory that the the left in america and around the world wants to take us down it, getting rid of uh, fossil fuels, even though it is literally the lifeblood of countless industries I- in the world, does that does is that even doable? Is it crazy? Is it absolutely insane? Let me say one thing that will actually help balance this out: the the fossil fuels can in no way affect the oceans because the oceans are a natural filter, both for our air and our other resources. So. In, in actuality, it's insanity. It just goes way past that. There is no yeah. science in the Biden administration. I got American parts. I got American faith. 
that is the show. Thanks for supporting the podcast and Breitbart News. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.